Normally, this time of year, I'm excited. It's football in the air. Eh, well, I don't know. Last several years, who cares? My name is Phil, and you're listening to The Lip. Here I am once again, Phil, your host of The Lip. And I'm not overly enthusiastic about the show that I'm about to do today, although... It is about a subject that is near and dear to my heart. Football. I love football. Well, I need to fall back in love with football. My guys, the 49ers over the last, I'm going to say, 13 to 15 years, have just made it extremely difficult It's one thing to have had a proud franchise like the 49ers as the team you follow. But then it's sad to see them fall into the mud and then rise back up only to just get so close to the top and then fall back down. It's heartbreaking. Very, very heartbreaking. But I'm going to do my best to try to enjoy this season and, well... I again say I'm going to do my best. Not going to be easy. But before I focus on why I'm so numb to this football season, I'm going to give you a little bit of what's going to be happening after this episode. Next week, the show is going to come and have a bit of a transition. Not going to be overall different, but there's going to be some things that I'm going to tweak and clean up about the show. Hopefully for the better. We'll find out when I start looking at who's been listening. But in truth, I've been telling you for maybe a couple of weeks, months or so, that I'm about to announce to you the job that I constantly say I didn't tell you what it was. Well, next week, I'm going to tell you what that job was. I have since retired, and I miss it a little bit. I'll have to admit that. That is true. But on that same note, I'm going to be able to open up the show a little bit more. Granted, there are some subjects that I would have absolutely loved to have tackled, but I didn't because the nature of my job. That is no longer going to be an issue, so I may just open her up a little bit, take her down the road, Instead of just following the speed limit, I might pop it all the way into fifth gear and just let it go. See how fast it can go. Kind of like I did with my Camaro one time. Opened her all the way up, let it just fly down the road. Just to see how fast it could go. And I have to admit, I was pleasantly surprised about the results. So hopefully... I will also be pleasantly surprised about how the show starts to move. One of the things that I wanted to do is going to be introducing a new segment to the show. And I think that my little opening here is going to be a little bit longer because I think the five minutes that I've been using for the last two years and some change might be a little bit restrictive. I may change it from just five minutes to opening it up to maybe, I don't know, maybe seven or eight. 
something that has a little bit more bite to it. So I'm not rushed for time like I feel like I am right now. I think that those little openings could use a little bit more to them. And, well, we're going to try to do our best starting next week. Going to change the logo a little bit. Going to change how I operate just a bit, like I said. And hopefully it's going to be for the best. But for right now, we're going to do the protocol as usual. And it's going to be the last time that I'm going to do a show with this sort of structure to it. It's kind of bittersweet, but at the same time, I mean, you can't go through a door unless you turn the handle and walk through it. So, I've now opened a new door to the show. And we're going to see just how interesting it is on the other side. I'm extremely excited about that show that's coming up next week. And I hope that you enjoy it as much as I enjoy presenting it. But as for now, I'm going to talk about a little bit of football and my Niners and just why I'm so numb about it. Once the main event starts. Ding, ding, ding. Bell has rung. Main event has once again begun. Today, I'm going to tell you why I'm a little numb about this football season coming up this time around. September 7th, the new NFL season begins. You know the cliche, all 32 teams have an opportunity to win the Super Bowl because we don't know what anybody's going to do until they get on the field. Well... If the track record of my guys, the 49ers, over the last handful of years has anything to say about it, it's pretty close to being able to figure out what is going to happen. Now, granted, they put together a virtual all-star team for this season. And they've done something like this before, as I will go over. But I'm going to start by giving you a reason why all the 49er fans were so proud for such a long time. And we can begin when I was three years old. Yes, I said it, three years old. During that time, the 1981 season, the 49ers ended up being 13-3 and and doing their first and greatest impression of what a football team is supposed to look like by winning the Super Bowl for their first time. 82, eh, nobody really did anything because the season was shortened because of a strike. And they weren't really good that year. They only went 3-6. and six. Montana was their quarterback still, even in 81. But they just weren't that good that strike season. So, what are you going to do? Then comes the real meat of the glory years of the 49ers. 84, 15-1, Super Bowl. 88, 10 and 6, Super Bowl. 89, 14 and 2, Super Bowl. 94, 13 and 3 again for their fifth and as of now, their final Super Bowl. Hopefully there will be more to come. But 81, 84, 88, 89, and 94 were Super Bowl seasons. During those Super Bowl seasons, their victories were just, they were incredible. They just beat people to death during those games. 
And what made this team so special during those years from 81 to 94 and their five Super Bowl wins is the fact that those were the only five Super Bowls that the 49ers had been in at that time. And as of that victory in 94, they had the NFL record for most Super Bowl wins. Nobody had won five at that point in time. Then comes what I like to call <sighs> the the years that you can feel prideful about your team. And I can stress that because that's what you could say. You could walk into a place and say, oh, I like the 49ers, and people will be like, oh, okay. You're one of them guys that likes that, that team that seems to do an awful lot of good stuff. Because between their Super Bowl victory in 94, they looked unbelievably good. Then comes 95, 96, 97, 98, and they just still maintained that level of dominance. They were still a power in the NFL. They were 11 and 5 in 95, 12 and 4 in 96. How about this? 13 and 3 in 97, and in 98 they were 12 and 4. Now, the problem with those seasons were they didn't go deep in the playoffs to the point where they had, I think, the best opportunity they may have had to go all the way that year uh, during those times was probably 97 or 98 because those two teams were probably some of the more special ones they had. And in 97, they actually did knock on the door. They were in the NFC Championship game. So they had an opportunity. Then comes the dark times. In 99 and 2000, the team that had gone, like I said, from 98 to from 95 to 98, those seasons, the team didn't lose more than five games. Now, in 99 and 2000, the team won a total of 10 games. So those two years... They didn't win as many games as they had in any individual season between 95 and 98. Wasn't pretty. 01, it was just, here we go again. 03, eh. This whole thing between 03 and 010, 2010, it was just, it was miserable. I mean, the Hall of Famers that were on the team for years have all pretty much left. You're starting all over again. It was so bad that in 2010, the whole division was rotten, to make a long story short. The Seattle Seahawks won the, the NFC West with the worst record that any team up until that point had ever won a division. They had a losing record of 7-9 and nine to win the division. And the sad part is the 49ers actually had a chance to win that division with the same record. Had they won a game or two here or there, they could have actually done that. But they didn't, and they were terrible. But you see, from a 49ers fan perspective, at this time, 2010 and beyond, we were a very proud group of people, the 49er fans. And... What we were expecting was that if our team did make it to the Super Bowl, they were going to win again. We hadn't tasted defeat in the Super Bowl. So, for us, 
it was like, well, all right, we're having a great season. We won 12, 13, 14, whatever it is. We didn't make it in the NFC Championship. Oh, well, that's fine because we lost before the Super Bowl. Everybody felt okay about that. That was all right. You had a good season. You just needed to tweak a thing here or there in order to get over the hump. That's what our thought process was from that point in time. Then comes 2011. And I like to say that this was probably the hardest period of my 49er fandom up until that point. In 2011, Jim Harbaugh came and took the team that was a ragtag group of guys because they had been so bad for a while. And he told those guys because what happens in the NFL is when you lose a bunch of games, you get very, very good draft picks in the first round. You get some of the better players. Now, you can be bad for so long and you maintain those players that you keep getting that were really good from college. And remember, like I said, between 2003 and 2010, the 49ers were horrible. So they were routinely getting very early draft picks. We're talking like inside the top 10, no more than top 15 draft picks every year because they stunk so horribly bad. And what Harbaugh landed into was a situation in 2011 where... Well, we've got all these players who were really good. They were all first-round picks. And he was able to mold them to a point where it's like he reminded them that they were first-round picks. And they played like it. In 2011, they went 13-3. and They went from being in the dumpster in 2010 to 13-3. NFC Championship game. And here comes where it becomes sad again. In that NFC Championship game, the 49ers were defeated because of a horrible nightmare. And I think it was one of the worst nightmares that could have happened. They were beating people to death and then recently fired executive from the... Uh, White Sox, his son was a kick returner, and in the NFC Championship game, he fumbled twice, allowing the Giants to win the NFC Championship and then go on to win the Super Bowl. Just, ugh. It was just heartbreaking. Oh, don't worry, it gets so much worse. Because in 2012, the 49ers came about being almost as good, but their starting quarterback, who they had drafted in 95, not 95, excuse me, in 2005, was getting all this confidence from Harbaugh where he had that really good season in 2011, but then he got hurt. And it just so happens that the 49ers had drafted, in the second round, Colin Kaepernick. That name will always make me sick. <laughs> As a 49ers fan, it really, really will. I don't care what anybody else says about him. It just destroys me to the core, Colin Kaepernick. The guy went in there, and he was the ultimate flash in the pan. He definitely was gold for a while. He thought he was great. During that 2012 season, the 49ers went 11-4-1. That solid record. However, that 
one of those four losses and that tie came in a very specific point. Both of those games, one loss and one tie, were to the Rams, who were the absolute nemesis of the 49ers. So they did not beat the Rams that year. And made it so much worse was the Rams were really bad. There's no reason why the 49ers should not have been 13-3 and as opposed to 11-4-1. But that's not what really made that year bad. That just helped it even worse, you know? Because when they got to the NFC Championship again in 2012, they broke through. And they got to the Super Bowl. They did it. Here they are. They're playing in the Super Bowl for the first time since 94. Super excited. It was incredible. Until the Baltimore Ravens showed up. (sighs) I will forever have a special hatred for the Ravens. Because, as I previously told you, the 49ers were undefeated in the Super Bowl. 5-0. Never smelt a loss. But what I didn't tell you about that 5-0 was that during the four that Joe Montana won and the one that Steve Young won, there was not a single interception thrown by either 49ers quarterback. So, you can see where I'm going here. The first ever interception in a Super Bowl by a 49ers quarterback goes to... Colin Kaepernick. Thank you very much for destroying what made the legacy so great, the quarterback play. And then, what makes it even worse? Forget the lights going out in the Super Bowl. Who cares? It was a scoreboard. Just not enough time left on the clock to catch up and beat the Ravens. When they were driving and almost had the opportunity, but they failed for the first time to win a Super Bowl that they were in. 2012 NFL season will always be the worst season in my mind, no matter what. Because it was the first time the 49ers lost the Super Bowl. Everybody was just stunned. Nobody knew what to do. Nobody could handle it, really. But, man, it was just devastating beyond devastating. Just horrible. And then comes 2013, the next year. Poised again to make another impressive run. This time, they didn't get that tie. They got the win. So now they're coming out and they're 12-4. and Looking really strong. The Seattle Seahawks have been battling back and forth. They're starting to rise and becoming good. And here it is. The NFC Championship game for a third straight year. This time, it's against the Seahawks. Colin Kaepernick just missed a throw by just a hair against Richard Sherman. And he stopped Crabtree from catching the ball. Now, I don't care what they say about Richard Sherman. He talked a lot. He played well in the zone. But he was not the best corner who ever played. He was up there. He will never be one of the best. I think in my top five, Sherman doesn't make it. In my top 10, I may have a place for him, maybe. Maybe. But on that day, in my opinion, he was not the better player. But he made the better play. 
he made the play so much better to the point where when it came time to buy the Madden game with Richard Sherman on the cover, because I was so disgusted by that defeat, I went that year without buying Madden because I wasn't going to have anything with the Seattle Seahawks face on my shelf. just wasn't going to happen. I didn't even drink Sprite. I didn't eat Skittles, Jones Soda, none of that thing. Anything that came out of Seattle that I was immediately recognized. Starbucks, hated it, wouldn't touch it. And I had a hard time even listening to Nirvana. That's how deep the hatred went for Seattle. It almost, for me, went to the point where it was just about overflowing and it was about to beat the Rams in far as far as hatred of another football team goes. But that's why I honestly think that in my fandom, 2011, 12, and 13 seasons under Jim Harbaugh, they were some of the worst times ever. They really were. Those were just a team that looked like and should have won, in my opinion, out of those three years. There's no reason why that that team didn't win at least two Super Bowls. Not one, but two. I honestly believe they should have beaten the Ravens. That was one that they had. They should have they had it. They won that game. They should have beaten them. And say what you want about the Giants and the way Eli Manning handled the Patriots, I think that maybe 2011, that team had a better shot. I'm not sure how the um how they would have done in 2013 although they had Patrick Willis so that made a a difference in 2013 because he was clearly one of the more dominant forces and I bet you that that would have made a difference so I could interchangeably say 2011 or 2013 should have been a win one of those two for sure flip a coin they could have won either of those games had they gotten the Super Bowl, but absolutely should have won in 2012. They just should. Now to continue on my road of pain, after 2013, they blew up the team. They blew it up. So the good core that was there for those three years just couldn't quite get over the hump. They got rid of everybody. They, they changed the whole team, changed the whole scheme, ripped the whole thing apart. And from 2014 to 2018, they went back into the gutter, and that's where they stayed for that period of time. Coming up on 2019, something very special happened. The 49ers were knew that they needed a quarterback, and they were trying to. There was a, a lot of people talking about the Washington quarterback Cousins. And he was very strongly linked to San Francisco for several months during that season, before 2018. He was linked to them. They were really a lot going on. Now, during that time period, it was pretty much almost expected that that was going to happen. Until, until, during 2018, a big trade was made with the 49ers traded with the Patriots because the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick um, soap opera was so strong that they couldn't have Jimmy Garoppolo on the same team anymore per the ownership. And that benefited San Francisco because Belichick was friends with their coach, Mike uh, Kyle Shanahan's dad, Mike Shanahan, and he gave Garoppolo up for a steal, a nice little price. It wasn't that big. And as a result, 
Garoppolo comes to San Francisco. He looks really good. Early in that season, he wins five. At the end of the season in 18, he wins five games. And that team was an interesting one because I believe there was a pool of points. I didn't write it down. I should have because it was one of my favorite statistics about that 2018 season. Is that there was somewhere between 10 points, I believe it was, 10 points would have swung the team where they went from having a non-playoff season, had 10 points moved in another direction, and I'm talking about one or two points in five different games or four different games. It would have turned them from a loser all the way to the division champion. Just like that. 10 points was the difference. That was it. And that was before Garoppolo got there. Had they had 10 points swing in a different direction before Garoppolo got there, they would have they would have won the division. It was a very interesting study that I did. Especially from the perspective of a 49er fan. You're always interested in that, right? But I digress. 2019 comes and big deal in the draft. Who are the 49ers going to draft? Because they ended up with the two pick. And it was a really nice spot to be in because the team was looking pretty good. And for the first time in my entire 49er fandom, I prognosticated something. I never did this before. Never. I'm not going to tell you that I looked at my teams ever and said, we're talking far out, too. Like, I'm talking, if I'm really starting to get confident with my teams around week 9 or 10 is when I'm like, all right, I've seen enough. I think this team can do something. Week 9 or 10 in the regular season. I'm talking about after the draft, which in April, I looked at the moves they made in free agency. I saw Garoppolo. I saw them draft Bosa. And I looked at what was going on. And I looked at this 49er team, 19, and I said, this team's going to win. And they're going to win a lot. And I think that they're probably going to get to the Super Bowl. I don't know if they're going to win it. But every indication that I see from what this team is doing, they're going to get to the Super Bowl. And like clockwork, that team ended up going 13-3. and And they made it to play Kansas City. <sighs> And they were ahead by 10 points with six minutes left. And then the legend of Patrick Mahomes began. Don't get me wrong, he was always good at that point, but when he got to there and took over and won the Super Bowl when he had a 10-point deficit, that made him turn into, in that level, we're now, okay, we're talking about a Peyton Manning-ish, Tom Brady kind of player right here, right now. And that's how it was going to go. Still makes me sick to think they lost that. But that's okay. Because the 2020 season came up and they had lots of injuries. So the team didn't have a Super Bowl hangover, per se, and just all the pieces were there and they went to the games like, oh, we should win, and they didn't. There were a lot of pieces who were hurt in 2020. Garoppolo got hurt again. Um, Bosa got injured. Uh, Kittle was in and out of the lineup. Um, Debo Samuel was not 
himself just wasn't a good team because of a great many injuries. Now, 2021 season comes up. During this season, well, my expectations were not the best because the team was a roller coaster. They would win, they would lose. They would win, they would lose. They'd have a little bit of health issues. And then, for some reason, towards the end of the season, they started coming together. And they won a game against the Rams at the very end of the season, which propelled them to the fifth seed in the playoffs. And I was like, all right, that's, that's cool. They made the playoffs. So they're they're back. They're doing something. They're looking okay. There might be something going on here. I don't know. We'll see how this all plays out. Now, during this season, they ended up getting there and they beat some people that most people believe that they should not have beaten. Let's face it. They ended up taking down the Cowboys. <laughs> and then they beat the Packers. They did, they did some serious work, if memory serves me correct. I hope I'm not going mixing in two seasons, but I know they beat the Cowboys twice, so it didn't make any difference. They beat them either way. Um, but they came across the Rams. And everybody was like, ah! There was a lot of people who thought that this 49er team may be a team of destiny. And I think that I feel that I might have been the jinx on this one. And the reason is because I've heard it said so many times in the in the late to early 90s and for some reason it just occurred to me to 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 get concerned about this during this playoff run in 2021 and that is that it's really difficult to win against the same team in an NFL season three times and it already played and beaten the Rams twice in the regular season once earlier in the season, and then once at the end of the season in order to cement their playoff position. And I just kept saying it was difficult to beat a team three times, and I put that energy out there. And sure enough, here comes Jaquaski tart in the middle of the field with literally nobody there. The entire stadium is empty. There's nobody around him. He is by himself on an island with water all around him and a mountain and the football is coming directly to him and it it, it it just touches his hands and then it just falls it falls like a stone and it just it just it just bounces off the ground in the NFC championship game when the 49ers were in control. Every bit of 49er air was sucked out of the building on that play. And the Rams went on to finish the job and take the NFC Championship. And not just that, but this is another case of which I didn't go over because it was too painful, the 49ers losing to the eventual Super Bowl champion 
in the AFC, in the NFC Championship game. They did it several times to the Cowboys. They did it to the Packers. They did it to the Rams right here. And then we're going to talk about the 2022 season, the one that really makes me numb, beyond numb, because they were so close to winning what I thought was the a, a clear-cut game, but that's what happens when you have such strange things happen all season long, and you get hot at the end, and then just that one play, that one play, I mean, he just, he, he could have been Spider-Man one time, that's all he had to do, Joukowsky Tart. And I, when I tell you, there was nobody around him. It was, I'm telling you, you could have drawn a circle on the football field that would have probably been 25 yards in diameter. There was nobody, nobody by him. I don't know who Matthew Stafford was trying to throw the football to. If you were to ask me if I was sitting in Vegas, I would absolutely say that, that, um, <laughs> Uh, I, I'm trying. I'm really trying. My goodness. Jaquaski Tart and or Matthew Stafford placed a gigantic bet. In fact, you could almost make the case that maybe that's what they did. Maybe Stafford and Tart had this down pat. And both of them put money on the Rams. And all that had to happen was Jaquaski Tart needed to drop that pass. Or you would think it's the reverse. Just maybe Matthew Stafford put the money on the 49ers. And he was giving the ball to Jaquaski Tart. Here, catch it. But Jaquaski Tart said, no, no, no. I have my money on you guys. So, Matthew, I'm going to drop this. And that's just how it played out. It was just horrible. Okay. Whew. That's just, it just hurts to think about that. It really, really does. I mean... There's no doubt in my mind that that miss that Jaquaski Tart had, you could have been a blind man facing in the other direction, and you could have caught that ball. <laughs> I mean, it was that clear cut, and he dropped it so harshly. Ugh. Just gives me just the willies to think about how horrible that was. My goodness. And this is where the numbness really began, because here we go again. It smells too much like 2011 to 2013, just 10 years later. Here comes the next one, and it's 2022, and the 49ers made a huge deal not too long ago before for Trey Lance, and they had Garoppolo, but they thought that Lance was going to be able to take him over the top for some reason. And what they did was they drafted, they traded three first-round picks and some other change in order to get Trey Lance. And the guy was injury-prone from the start. He broke his thumb, and now they felt that it's time to let this guy play here in 2022. And here comes the nightmare. The 49ers had a, an amazingly, stupidly good record. They were uh, 13 and 4. They were strong. They were really, really strong. They won a lot of games, but they lost a lot of quarterbacks. Um, start off with Trey Lance. We can start with him. Week one, 
terrible rain, not a good performance, and they lose to the Bears. Just a horrible loss. 19 to 10. Just disgraceful, right? I'll come back to what happened at the end of the season to these teams at the end. Week three. Now, Trey Lance is almost out of there. But the 49ers lose the game in heartbreaking fashion to the Broncos in week three. 11 to 10. It's just enough to make you pass a stone. Right? 11 to 10. Week six comes along. And we have Jimmy G as the quarterbacks holding things down. And they play the Falcons, who double them up, 28-14. to 14. That one was kind of a punch in the mouth. Kind of got hit kind of hard there. But if you think that was bad, Week 17 against the Kansas City Chiefs, well, 44-23, uh, can I sell you that? Yeah, I you could. Then comes the faithful game with the Miami Dolphins when the Dolphins end up knocking Garoppolo out. And here comes the last player drafted in the NFL that year, Brock Purdy. This guy came in, finished off the Dolphins. He won that game. And then he won every other game for the whole rest of the season. Then they get all the way to the playoffs, and he wins, and he wins. The guy takes the team all the way to the NFC Championship game. And this is where the heartbreak begins. I'm going to pause for a moment and tell you, before I talk about the NFC Championship game, I'm going to talk to you about those four losses first, the regular season losses that were shared between Garoppolo and Trey Lance. Now, the first we'll talk about is the Chiefs. It's the Chiefs. You're going to have to have a shootout. Garoppolo didn't quite do what he needed to do. They lost. The Chiefs ended up finishing 14-3. and One game better than the 49ers. Just one. Think about that. One game. That's it. Just one game better than the 49ers. Now we go to Atlanta. Hmm. Get doubled up by Atlanta. 28-14, to 14. and at the end of the year, the Atlanta Falcons, who did not make the playoffs, had a record of 7-10. and 10. So they were just not quite good enough. Now we're going to go to Week 3, and we're going to talk about, we're in the stinkier range. The team that they lost to, 11-10, to 10, which is just, how do you get 11 points? What are they going to ask? But just know that the Denver Broncos finished 5-12. and 12. Yeah, they pretty much had diarrhea on their season. It was just awful, right? Awful. Now, let's say what you want about the rain, because there was a lot of it in Chicago that game. But the 49ers could only muster 10 points, whereas the Bears somehow got 19. Now... The end of the year for the Bears was not quite as effective as you would like to have. 
Remember how I just told you the Kansas City Chiefs ended up having a 14-3 and record, and of course, they're the inevitable Super Bowl champions. Well, let's just say the Bears went the complete opposite way and had the worst season in the NFL, and had the reverse record of the Kansas City Chiefs. They were 3-14. and In other words, they were the worst team in the NFL that season, last year. And they were given the first pick in the draft. So that should tell you that they really, really stunk. And here's one of my heartbreaking problems. Think about it again. I, I went back about how the, the 49ers couldn't beat or the Rams during 2012. And here comes the 49ers unable to beat three teams that finished in their division. Not just they had losing records, but all three of these teams, the Falcons, the Broncos, and the Bears, all had the last place in their division. So they lost to three last place teams. Three. Think about that. They lost to three last place teams. Had they beaten even one of those last place teams, they would have had a chance at home field advantage. And there's no reason why they couldn't have beaten both the Bears and the the uh, the Broncos, who combined for eight wins. Come on. Those two were the worst two of the worst two teams in the whole league, and if you beat them, now you're fifteen and two, and you're the best record in the entire league. All you have to do is beat two of the worst the two worst teams in the NFL and you have the best record in the league. <sighs> My goodness. It just it hurts to think about that. But now, speaking of hurts, we'll go back to the NFC championship game. Jalen Hurts, the Eagles quarterback. Stayed healthy. Near MVP season. Games in Philadelphia because the 49ers were 3 and 14. Other way around, we're, thir- we're 14. No, we're 13 and 4, whereas the Eagles were 14 and 3. So that one game made a difference. You beat the worst team in the NFL and you tie them. You beat the next worst team in the NFL team and you're better than them. Ugh. Just. Ugh. Anyway. That results in the 49ers coming over here to the East Coast. And in that, they have to deal with the jet lag. They have to deal with the time change. And then they have to deal with one of the best defenses in the league. First series, after you get Mr. Irrelevant to get you to this far, he gets hurt. Tears his UCL. Otherwise known as that awful ligament in your elbow that goes from pitchers in the major leagues all the time, and he had to get Tommy John surgery. So, your starting quarterback is out. He's out in the very beginning of the game. This team scored over 30 points a game while he was in there. Now he's out. The backup quarterback comes in. He gets concussed right away. He's out. There's nobody else to come in, so... The game plan was, well, we'll just let Brock Purdy come in there and throw screen. His arm is dead. He can't even throw the ball 10 yards. He's useless. And the only thing he's going to get is more hurt if he's in position to do so. So the 49ers run the game the rest of the time, which would normally be an okay strategy if if there was a possibility the quarterback could throw the ball even 11 yards, which he couldn't. So the Eagles just loaded up. 25 guys in the box, and they knew the 49ers were going to run because they couldn't throw it. Physically, 
Brock Purdy could not throw the ball. And needless to say, that was a destruction job. 49ers just got eaten alive, and it was one of the worst losses they've suffered. Now, on a side note, it seems like a lot of times when the 49ers play the Eagles, it's usually ugly, one way or the other. The 49ers either just eke out a win, like in 2011, the game that I went to go see, actually, which was pretty cool, or or the Eagles just eat them alive, and... Like in 94, and they just got 40-8 to eight in a regular season. Just disturbing. Having said all that, it just, to me, looks like this team that's coming out, looks like they're going to win the Super Bowl. They are probably, easily, top five team overall with their offensive pieces, their defensive players. This is a team that could win the Super Bowl. But... I'm just super numb to them because it just feels like there's such a chance that they're going to go I mean, to the point where they can make it look like they're about to win. They're going to be up by one point and something's going to happen and they're going to lose and they're going to fail somewhere along the way. And I just see it coming. I don't want to see it coming, but I just do. And it's just numbing to the point where I don't know how to handle it. I just don't. And that's why I'm not excited because... I'm not. I'm not. They made a huge mistake when they drafted Trey Lance. And earlier this week, because I'm actually recording this show only a couple days before it's going to come out. Turns out the 49ers traded Trey Lance to the Dallas Cowboys. So they got rid of their three, the guy that they legitimately got. They legitimately traded three first round draft picks to get this guy. The time period has come past where all three draft picks have been selected. And now they trade them to the Cowboys for a fourth-round pick. So pretty much what they said was, here, you can have all these first-round picks. We'll take this one guy. He's going to stink, and then we'll trade him. Just after all those picks we used were used up. On players like, I'm just going to name one, and the Cowboys who traded to get that pick I believe that, I don't remember who they traded for, but they moved around and they got that pick that the 49ers would have had, and they got Micah Parsons. As a defensive-minded person, I salivated the fact that the 49ers could have potentially had, on one side, Micah Parsons, on the other side, um, Nick Bosa. I just, just, <laughs> what could have been. <laughs> but that's just another thing that makes me very, very numb to the season. I don't know. I just don't know. We'll see, though. Oh, we will see. I think Brock Purdy has the potential to be a Joe Montana, Tom Brady-esque kind of guy. Drafted very, very late. But has all the intangibles and leadership ability to make it work. This offense is very difficult that they run, but he's able to pick it up. And he picked it up extremely quickly. Unlike some players who have to sit on the bench for a while... And they had get some time to get adjusted to the NFL. Purdy just sort of fell into the fire. And he was able to be wearing fire-retardant clothing. And he just he went through it. The only thing that stopped him was an injury. And that's just pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I had to say it. 
But at the end of the day, I'm going to watch this football season, and for me, I'm going to be numb. I'm going to be so numb to the point where if a game is on, I might watch it. A bit. But when it comes to the point where it starts getting into the playoffs, because I think these guys can sleep through 10 games and win them, I just don't know. That's going to be the hardest part to watch because this team put together so well that they could excel very, very quickly and do very good things in the playoffs. Or, or, or they could just literally just just drop the ball, Jaquaski Tart, and lose. And I don't know what's going to happen. I can't, my crystal ball is broken. I can't foresee what's going to happen. And I think that that's what makes it, makes me know about it. Because the history says that just maybe they're going to have another season and go back to the NFC Championship game only to lose again. Or worse, go to the Super Bowl to lose again. And I just, I just don't know. I don't know. Well, only time will tell. Hopefully, I start to get some feeling after week five or six how it might go and Maybe be able to enjoy the football season. I don't know. I don't know. Well, on that note, I'm going to ring the bell. And main event over. Ding, ding, ding. Okay, it's time for the Spear of the Week. Now, I am not a Starbucks guy, as I already told you. As much as I hate the Seattle Seahawks and everything Seattle. I love the idea of Nirvana, don't get me wrong, I love them, but <sighs> Seahawks, just <clears throat> no Seattle stuff, and considering the nature of this episode, I have to go with the Spear of the Week being the Seattle Seahawks, last year, they were a pretender who came out and chose to look like they were a good team, and ended up winning a whole bunch of games with a team that is, I believe, literally wearing a plastic Scooby-Doo mask. Unbeknownst to what most people believe, I think that that mask got ripped off and we see the team for the fraud that it really is. However, they decided to give their quarterback a huge multi-million dollar deal. And without doubt, in my opinion, I think that those meddling kids and their dog really proved that they were, in fact, able to stop that guy from getting his way. But the Seahawks just decided to ignore that. That's okay. I don't mind the Seahawks being bad. In fact, I enjoy it because it just makes the Super Bowl victory that could potentially happen that much sweeter if they defeat the Seahawks twice. So... The Spear of the Week this week is going to be the Seattle Seahawks, just for their existence. Okay, we're going to shut this show down by starting off by telling everybody check out the Lip YouTube page. Look at all the reels that are on the Facebook page. You'll find them. You can just check me out, and you can catch what reels I have on there. Um, you can also... Check us out with our Facebook group, the Lip Group, and as I always say, join us. There's always room for how many? There's always room for one more. Always one more. Keep coming. 
Instagram, you can check me out there, Philip Henderson 5102. Twitter slash X, I still don't know what's going on with that. I had to create another page. I'm out there somewhere. We'll figure that out hopefully in the next couple of weeks. Who knows? But I do have to say that since I am doing this very close to the um, very close to the time that it's happened, and the fact that my show is coming out this week, turns out that the wrestling world lost a couple of people who were very, very interesting. The first one is former NWA champion Terry Funk. Almost 80 years old. But as much as a loss it was for Terry Funk, because not only age alone, the loss of Bray Wyatt or Wyndham Rotunda, that one is really, really, really sad. He has a lot of young kids, and he was only 36 years old. Definitely a sad thing. Um, it's crazy how that happens. Life is very short. You just don't know. You just don't know. And I have to say it again because I actually did a, uh, a reel and a YouTube short in tribute to Mr. Wyatt, or truly Mr. Rotunda, um, I can certainly say that as far as his performance in the ring, because I never met the man, he was really good. I thought his ability was crazy good. And for those who know, you'll understand what I'm about to say. When it comes to him being in the ring, I would absolutely say that I would run to the TV to watch him. Well, it's time to drop a little bit of knowledge to give you the words of wisdom for this week, which are pertaining in some ways to sports. I'm so numb about football myself right now that I need to make myself laugh. And every single time I see these words of wisdom, they make me laugh. Here they come. You have so much knowledge about sports. While coaching your football team, you never forget to bring the best, the baseball bat to the tennis court. Once again, you have so much knowledge about sports. While coaching your football team, you never forget to bring your baseball bat to the tennis court. Let it sink in. Let it sink in. Words of wisdom. And on that note, I want to thank you for listening to the format the way it has been for the last year and some change. And next week, we'll start a little different aspects of the show. A new segment. Going to open it up a little bit more. Going to do a few things that are going to just make it a little bit more interesting for me at least hopefully you'll like it even more than what i've been doing and i'll talk to you next week look for a different logo look for a different logo
once again, my name is Phil, and you have just listened to The Whip.